0: My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 begins with a haunting question. The psalmist asks where God is and searches for why God is absent, why God does not answer. He knows that in the past, God did respond to the needs of the people of Israel. God delivered the people from calamity time and again. But now God is silent. Gone, and the psalmist is abandoned, humiliated, scorned, despised, tortured, poured out like water. His bones are out of joint, unable to be counted. His heart is melting wax. His mouth is as dried out as a piece of broken pottery, and his tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth. His hands and feet are pierced. He has been laid in the dust of the grave. He is as good as dead. He is a worm and no longer a human being stripped of his humanity. And those who torture the psalmist have become inhuman as well. They have become like wild bulls or a pack of dogs. They circle and surround the psalmist. They stare and mock and gloat. They despise, they strip and expose and gamble over his clothing. They laugh at how he trusted in God. They even assume God's judgment. They mock him in assurance of their own righteousness saying, If God delights in him, let God rescue him. Though they know that God will remain inactive and mute. Here we are given a profound description of pain and suffering. For on display here is the agony of a person being tortured and abused. Here we are given a picture of one utterly alone. No one is on the psalmist's side. All hate him and mock him and take delight in hurting him. And in the process of dehumanizing the psalmist, they become something less than human themselves. They are distorted in their hate. But the more urgent question of the psalm is, where is God? Why is God absent? Why does God not act? Why is God so far away? In the face of these questions, how could we blame the psalmist for turning away from God? For certainly it seems God turned away from him. How could we not help but fall into silence if the psalmist reached the conclusion that indeed there was no God, that there was no one to hear or help or save or stand near? Which of us could find fault? But the psalmist does not lose faith. Instead, we get the lament and the plea. Be not far away, O Lord. Save me from the sword and the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of bulls. Save me, save me. And then, out of nowhere, the psalm turns from lament to praise. The psalmist suddenly declares, praise the Lord. He seems to trust that he has been heard, and yet we are not given any indication that this is so. He proclaims God's compassion and commitment to justice. He proclaims that God hears the cry of the poor and the needy. He proclaims that God rules over the nations and that all people, even those who have died, will bow before the Lord the psalmist tells us that his soul will live and that all his descendants will know and serve God and that people yet unborn will know the saving deeds that God has done. It is an astonishing turn. Though we see no change of circumstance, the psalmist moves from a place of despair and dismay, a place of abandonment and alienation, to a place of deep communion with God and with the whole of humanity. God's saving deeds will be known and all of humanity will come to see and acknowledge and worship. In this Psalm, we become witness to a miracle. We become witness to to resurrection for out of death is life. We have here in Psalm 22, both a penetrating expression of suffering and an even more fervent expression of hope. The God who was absent is now present. It is clear that Psalm 22 played an important role in the faith of the New Testament authors. Here is a poem written hundreds of years before the life and death of Jesus and yet and yet they found it in a window into the passion and death of the Messiah. Psalm 22 is cited and alluded to at least five times in the four gospel passion narratives. For the gospel authors see in the psalm both parallels to the suffering of Jesus and the hope and faith of Jesus. They see the wounds, the derision, the clothes gambled over. But they also see the trust and faith that Jesus shows. They saw God's presence where God seemed absent. John's gospel shows us this most clearly, for this gospel's passion is less of an historical accounting of Jesus' final moments as it is a reflection on the meaning of his suffering and death. Of course, The historical events are there, but always portrayed through the interpretive lens of the revelation into the nature and significance of Jesus, the Christ. And we are invited this day into this paradox and mystery. We are invited to see and acknowledge the humiliation and suffering and death of Jesus in all its depth. We are invited to honor it and grieve over it. And yet, and yet we are also invited to see in it our cause for hope. For here, defeat becomes victory. Despair becomes hope. Hatred is met with love. And there is God in the apparent absence of God. God's absence is God's presence. For in Jesus, God stands with every victim. In Jesus, God is present with all who suffer, with all who are alone, with all who have been abandoned. Here, God saves the world Here, God draws all of humanity to God's self. So, we might behold the suffering of our world and ask why God stands so far off. But, if we gaze upon the cross of Christ, if we gaze upon that cross in faith, then we know. Where is God The cross reveals that God is with all who suffer. Amen.